0: This message by Pastor Alexander Ruggieri was delivered at Faith Fellowship Church in Dodgeville, Wisconsin. For more information, please call 608-935-2655 or visit us at www.dodgevilleffc.com. 58 Verse 6 Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places, you shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. May God add a blessing to the reading of His Word. Thank you. So, the title of this message is called Securing the Borders. So. I know that you all have been following some recent events that have been going on with the um, current situation in crisis. It's not a recent, I guess, it's been going on for some time now about a crisis at the border, and we have issues of an influx of many illegal immigrants, and there seem to be no restrictions going on right now, and it's, it's a national crisis, though some may not like to... Call it that, but it's affecting everyone. Um, we think that it's you know something happening way out hundreds and hundreds of miles from here, but it is actually affecting our own areas. I've caught wind that we are seeing influx of illegal immigrants in places like possibly Richland Center and, and other areas. So um, this is something that's going to be affecting us in some way, shape, or form. And as I was thinking about that, the Lord laid on my heart the importance of borders the importance of borders, in fact, the importance of secure borders. And I was directed to this passage in Isaiah. What's going on in Isaiah is that the people of Israel have sinned against God. They've compromised against God. And God has allowed different nations to come and kind of infiltrate and kind of allowed a lot of wickedness to thrive so as to wake the people up so that they would repent and turn to Him. Well, the people decided to take matters into their own hands and thought that the way that we can gain God's favor again is by fasting and 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 seeking the Lord through prayer, right? That's how you gain God's favor, right? Well, when you read Isaiah chapter 58, you realize that Although fasting and prayer is something that's important for the people of God, although we're called to seek the Lord in prayer and and fasting about these issues that are laid upon our heart, if we're neglecting to obey God, if we're neglecting to do the things that He deems as important, if we're um, turning our backs on things that He wants us to do, and just hiding in our closets in prayer, it's like God's saying, this doesn't make sense. And so that's why when you read chapter 58... It begins the chapter about how people are are seeking Him daily in verse 2. Delight to know His ways. They seek Me daily. And it says in verse 3 the people are asking, Why have we fasted and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? But then it continues, In the day of of your fast you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness you will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. And then he goes on to describe that although fasting is important, if it's not undergirded by obeying the Lord, it really doesn't mean anything. And so he continues to say, "...is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free?" And it's an application for us as a church if we, or people of God, if we want to seek the Lord about something in our own lives or in the world around us, it's not just we just take time aside, get on our knees and pray about it, but we need to take a look at our lives and see if, if our lives are consistently seeking to obey Him by His grace. If we're seeking to walk with Him with the revealed will He's given to us as He leads us by His Spirit. Because if we're choosing to be mean and nasty to our spouses, and, and negligent in our um, love for our family, or, or we're harboring bitter envy in our hearts, and yet we come before the Lord on our knees and say, Oh Lord, uh, help me about this issue or that issue. It's like God saying, wait a minute, we need to get things put in their proper place for a second. But here's the point, when God says, if you make things right... And if you repent of that, and if you start doing the right things, then when you call on me, I will hear you. And he says that I will turn you into a people that bring healing. I will turn you into a people that bring restoration. And so he says in verse 12, those from among you shall build up the old waste places. I'm going to use you to restore things, to build things, to make things right. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And then in verse 12 it says, And you shall be called the repairer of the breach. The repairer of the breach. You see, the nation had experienced a breach in their wall. There was an infiltration. And and God said to the people, If you get things right with me, I will make you a repairer of the breach. I will secure your borders. So I was reading about this article of this man, John Kirk. So John Kirk was this professional photographer in Charleston who, when COVID happened in 2019, his business just completely dropped. Um, nobody's going to want to get professional photographs taken with masks on, so I think he had difficult time keeping his business going. And so he did what any um, sane small business photographer would want to do when their business is struggling during a pandemic, he decided to go to Arizona to see the border. And so that was what he did. And so he went to the border, and he just wanted to see what was going on, because he heard that there was a lot of issues going on at our southern border. And so he went to Arizona... And they started going along the, the wall that separates the two countries. And you know, you've seen the border where they've got these tall, uh, metal pillars, kind of V-shaped, stacked one next to each other. And they're so high and they're so close together that you can't get between them. And apparently what he, he noticed while he was walking along these borders is he noticed that there were breaches in the border he would come along and he'd see this one pillar where at the bottom, at the base of the, of the pillar, there was a mound of dirt. And he'd, he'd brush away the dirt and he'd see the pillar was cut at the bottom. And there was a metal crossbeam kind of connecting all the beams together so far up. And he noticed right at that point where it's welded, the, the beam is welded to that crossbeam, was cut. And so he started going around and walking this wall and documenting... All of these breaches. And come to find out, when they covered this story, they covered a 20-mile stretch on this Arizona border and found out that there were 38 breaches in a 20-mile stretch. And they found out that it takes nothing more than a $100 tool to be able to cut the bottom of this pillar or then a uh, very easy mechanism made to create a ladder that can be thrown over the top. And they said that there was a a video of one uh, immigrant being able to come over the border in about 20 some odd seconds. When you think about that, you realize the importance of borders. This man, John, he was a repairer of the breach. He was doing what he could to ensure that there was a safe mechanism to secure our nation's safety. And I realized that borders are very important. And I I think we tend to forget the importance of borders. And there are all different kinds of borders. There is a necessity for borders. There's all different kinds of borders in our lives. And so... We'll just look at a few of these borders that are important. And obviously, the first border that we know is important is that of a national border, like the one we've been talking about. Turn, if you will, to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. You read about the importance of a national border. In Nehemiah, you realize that the book of Nehemiah is written... Um, The people have been exiled into captivity. God promised after so many years they would return. And during this returning period, Nehemiah sought the Lord about how he can be a repairer of the breach. And so he sought the king's help, and the king blessed him to go back to Jerusalem to restore the wall, to repair the wall, rebuild the wall, and have a national border. In verse in chapter 4, verse 1, we read, So it happened that when Sinballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren, the army of Samaria, and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break it down, their stone wall. And so Nehemiah prays, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach upon their own heads, and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity, and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders." So he built the wall, and the entire wall was joined up together to its half its height, for the people had a mind to work. You see, Nehemiah knew the importance of a national border. Now, this was the border, the wall for Jerusalem, the city of God. And there is, in this context, the an application that an actual established, Border between a geographical location is good. It is very good. A secure border is a good thing. Well, why? First off, it protects the inhabitants of a nation, of a city. You see, in ancient days, these cities that you read of in the Bible, they often had established walls around the city, and then there was the country land around the cities. And these walls were to protect the inhabitants, from attack from the outside. And so Nehemiah is commissioned to rebuild this wall so as to create a safe environment for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. A national border is also important because it clearly defines what is part of a nation. To have a border can clearly define the difference between our nation and another nation, our city and another city. It's a clear line, defining line, that if you're on this territory, you're under our laws, under our rules and regulations. If you're not on this territory, you're on somebody else's. But it also, get this, it also provides an environment for safe immigration. Safe immigration. For if you have a secure border, if you have an established wall, if Nehemiah can build a wall around Jerusalem, there will be a doorway. And the doorway can safely monitor and look at those who are coming in and those who are leaving. You can have people there to guard the gate so as to keep those who would be harmful to the inhabitants of that city out and to welcome those who are looking to contribute to and be a part of that city's functions in. You see, oftentimes when you hear in these conversations about the border and and what's going on down south, you often hear these, these arguments or accusations that if you say anything against the chaos that's going on at the southern border, it's like you are against immigration. But to me, the understanding is that the best form of immigration is when it is secure and monitored and regulated. Because then you know those who are coming in, and you know those who are leaving, and you can monitor what's going on. And oftentimes, you know, the accusation among the, the, the woke people is that if you speak against this kind of chaotic environment, that you're some sort of white supremacist who is privileged because you grew up in this country. Well, first off, for me personally, I, I come from a family of immigrants. My grandpa came down from Canada when he was a boy. He didn't speak a word of English. He only parlait de francais He became a citizen. My dad's side of the family came from Italy. I still have family out there. And I've talked with many of you about how so many generations ago, you know, great-great-grandpa came over from Germany or Switzerland or, or Norway and established a family farm, and it's been there. And, and if you go back many, many generations, we all came at some point. We're not against immigration. In fact, we're for immigration. Why? We love this country. We love the freedom of this country. We want to see people thrive in this country. And so we want to ensure the best process for it to happen, right? We want to ensure that people are able to come and contribute to the vision of America. We want people to come and be blessed by the prosperity that is available in this country, though it is being undermined as we speak. But nonetheless... We also can ensure that we are not bringing in people who would want to subvert the very foundations of our nation and cause harm to our neighbors and loved ones. How is that accomplished? Securing the border. We can secure these borders through legislation, but I think we as Christians have an additional task to also pray for this nation, to pray for this nation. We are Christians of a free nation. We're called to secure our borders for the good of our neighbors. Are you a repairer of the breach? Are you and I concerned for our loved ones in doing what we can to repair the breach? But you know, secure borders don't just happen at national levels. They also happen at other levels. For example, The church of Jesus Christ has borders. Turn, if you will, to John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, Jesus is giving the teaching about how He is the true shepherd, how He is the good shepherd, and how He knows His sheep, and His sheep know His voice. And He's talking about how the sheep are gathered into a sheep pen. Obviously, the sheep of the people of God. If you are a born-again Christian here this morning, you are a sheep of the Good Shepherd. He has a fold to put you in. And there are walls on that fold, and there are individuals and and, uh, creatures that are trying to get in past that breach, past that border, into the flock. So in John chapter 10, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up by some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. What Jesus is talking about is in the ancient days, you had these sheepfolds, these sheep pens. And there were many different shepherds out in the field, and they might have had a few little sheep in their flock, and this owner might have had a few little sheep in their flock. But at the end of the day, what they would do is they'd gather all the sheep together and they put them in the same sheepfold pen. It's not like every little flock had their own pen. They'd gather them all together and put them in their own little pen. And that was to protect them, to protect the flock. And he talks about how there is a threat of individuals coming up and infiltrating that pen. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls out his own sheep by name and leads him out. This is a beautiful picture. The doorkeeper was one who was hired at night to lay down in the doorway of the sheep pen. So that he himself was the door to protect the sheep from wolves or robbers. And in the morning when the sheep came, the, the shepherd came, it says that the shepherd would call out to his sheep. In fact, some shepherds had their own sheep named individually. And he would call them out by name and they would hear his voice and the sheep of that shepherd would come out and leave the other sheep. Beautiful picture. But here we have a threat to the sheep. There's a threat to the church. There's a threat of robbers and thieves and wolves coming in and infiltrating the church. You see, the border of the church is not the walls of this building, brothers and sisters. I'm sorry. This this building is just for protection from the elements, though sometimes I wish we'd take the roof off on days like these. And it's also to be a central location where we can gather together you know, from our different parts of the area. But this is not the border. We, as the living body of Christ, have to ensure that we are being protected from things such as false doctrine, from things such as um, people who would want to come and stir up dissension and tear apart the body of Christ. From people, and Jesus is using the illustration to talk about the the scribes and Pharisees who were actually supposed to be the, the hired under-shepherds, and they were the ones who were exploiting the sheep for their own personal gain. We have to be protected from people who would want to come and use the flock of Jesus Christ for their own personal advance and purposes. I mentioned false doctrine. You know, it is my prayer and hope that when we gather here, we're hearing the shepherd's voice. And that what comes from this pulpit comes from the shepherd. And I know there have been things I've said I regret. But the thing that bothers me sometimes is the fact that we gather here and I know what's coming from the pulpit because it comes from me. But when when we go all our way all of a sudden we gain access to so many other things and I have sometimes struggled with this this feeling like Lord I I, I hope and and pray that if somebody is listening to this person on the radio or watching this person on the television or something and gaining you know gaining some sort of biblical insight that it is truly your word and your truth and not some fanciful idea or some... Uh, wolf in sheep's clothing or something like that. Now, I personally have been blessed by the access to teaching that's out there on the television and radio. When I first became a Christian, I just listened to sermons by uh, ministers who would would fill my heart with the Word of God. I think that's great. But I also know that there are people out there. They get up there in front of that screen And they start teaching things and they have huge followings and it is for their own gain. For their own gain. The thing that encourages me about that is that Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. And that's encouraging to me. Because... The more a person is acquainted with the good shepherd, the more a person is safe from infiltrations and false teachings and, and such. Because when you hear something, and you've experienced it, I'm sure when you've listened to something and you thought it was good, and then they said something and you just stopped for a minute. And you thought to yourself, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like the voice of my shepherd See, the Holy Spirit that God gave us is that discerning voice to be able to know His word versus the word of deceit. But the only way to be more acquainted with the voice of the shepherd is to be in His presence, walking with Him more. To be more in tune with Him. To be following in His footsteps as the Good Shepherd leads us. We're just right there at His heels. When He commands us, we hear His voice. We follow Him. We know His voice. That way we can discern between His voice and the voice of an imposter. So let the activity of the church and in our lives always bring us closer to the Good Shepherd. That will restore, repair, build up our sheep pen so that we know His voice versus somebody who would be leading us astray. And I always am blessed by that account in the book of Acts and I was reminded of it this morning for Sunday School of the Bereans. Remember when the Bereans had the Apostle Paul come on their missionary journey? It says that they listened to him and then they went and they checked the Scriptures to make sure that what he was saying was right. Right? And that should be our method, that should be our heart, to be able to bring things back to the Word of God and have Him speak through that to us so that we are discerning His voice versus the voice of others. Are you in tune with the voice of your shepherd? Or are you just bombarding yourself with so many different things it's hard to discern? Let us become well acquainted with the voice of our good shepherd. So when he says, Alex, we know it. Amen? Church borders, national borders, thirdly, family borders. Family borders. Look, if you will, in Joshua chapter 24. In Joshua chapter 24, there's this, um, we're at a point when after the Exodus and they're. They've gone through and conquering the land, and there's this last exhortation, basically, that Joshua is giving to the people, and he's saying, okay, here it is. We've 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 come to the promised land. You're going to dwell in your cities and your areas and whatnot. And he says, this day you're going to choose for yourselves. You've been following me and Moses all these years. Now you're going off. You're going to choose for yourselves whether you're going to follow God or follow some other pagan um, deity or idea out there. And he looks at the people, and in verse 15 of Joshua chapter 24, he says, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as, how does it go? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I tell you what, there's no greater family border to be built than those words right there. Because you know something, in today's day and age, there is such an attempt for the world and Satan and the devil to come in and rip families apart. I saw this, came across this video of a woman in England who went up to her neighbor's door and confronted her neighbor. There's a father who had a little girl. And she said she confronted the neighbor because the father always dressed that little girl in pink. She actually said, I am bothered at the fact that you dress that little girl in pink. Why do you always dress her in pink? Why is it always pink? Why not blue? Why not other colors? And he was like, You're coming to my door? to tell me that you don't like the way I dress my little girl? She's a little girl. She likes pink. And the woman was going on about how she thinks that we should be more inclusive of other colors in people's lives, and she's okay with this, the, the fluidity of society that's going on. And, and he was just baffled. He was baffled, and he said, it's none of your business. And her response was, I'm concerned for her sake. Now, we can kind of smirk about the ridiculousness of that, but think about it. If this is just one interaction in one little community in one little country, imagine the worldview that is permeating this world that would move somebody to do something like that. And that is a worldview that is infiltrating our own society and disturbing our families. They want us to step away from serving the Lord and serve their own ideologies, which is idolatry. And we, in whatever capacity we can, in whatever situation our families are in, need to say, no, I, my children, we will serve the Lord. We will build our life around God We will come together as a family, focusing on God, serving our Lord, our King, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And there is no better repairing of the breach than that. And we're in all different situations with families and whatnot, but this is something we can all ask ourselves in my interactions with my family. Am I drawing those around me closer to Christ, closer to the Lord? Or am I drawing them away and getting wrapped up in fluid society changes? Family borders. The final border, which is perhaps the most important. Not just national church, family, but my border. How's my border? Is my border being breached as an individual? Turn, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 25, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. The book of Proverbs is full of sayings of the wise, and it says this, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. From what I remember from my NIV, I think it says, Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. See, you and I as individuals have our own border, our own wall. And what we do when we live this Christian life can either tear that wall down or build it up. There's a wall about everything we experience. You see, when you and I go through this life, everything that we experience can either gain access into our lives or not. And if we don't have secure borders, it's like there are all these things that we're just letting in and letting in and have influences over us that are not good. Now, what I don't mean by that is when you hear this New Age idea of, you know, do not allow these negative forces that are floating around trying to bite your soul in and and all this stuff. What I'm saying is, What Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, when he talks about how the devil is prowling around, looking for whom he may devour. Okay, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So that means the evil one is going around like a lion, around the border of your life, and he's looking for weakness. He's looking for a spot that's that's weak so that he can break through, enter in and influence you, draw you away from Christ. If there is a habit, if there is a... I don't like to use this word, but it applies to you. If there's a trigger... Somebody give me a synonym. If there is... A circumstance in your life that causes you to react in a certain way. That displeases the Lord. Satan's right there at that point in your border to come in. And you know, Brother Charles Stanley went home to be with the Lord in recent days. And one of the things that I appreciated about him when he he had this principle called HALT. H-A-L-T. He said, if you're ever hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, HALT. Because it's in those moments when we're at our weakest points, when we can be very, very weak, and Satan can break through with temptation in those moments. So we take a moment to halt. We're hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And just take stock. If you can picture your life like we can actually picture a national border, At the gate, if if your border is secure at the gate, you can, by the discernment of the Holy Spirit, know those who want to come in, the circumstances that want to come in, whether they are going to draw you closer to God and and help you in your life, or whether they're not. And the more in tune you are, this goes back to what we were saying about the church, the more you're in tune you are with the discernment of God, the more you know whether to let in or not. And the more you know the blueprint of what a secure wall should look like, the more you like John, Kurt can go and take stock of your life and walk around that border and see if there are any weak spots. Maybe there's a circumstance going in your life right now that you realize has caused a weak spot in your life and and it seems like there's always a stumbling in this one particular area. And you come to God, who is the ultimate repairer of the breach, and you say, there's a breach in my border, and things have been coming in that I don't want to. And by God's grace, He can come and repair and restore that breach. If we don't have secure borders in our own lives, how can we be... A repairer of the breach for our families? How can we be a repairer of the breach for our churches? How can we be a repairer of the breach for our nation? All of us can take stock of our own border. Can see what is coming in and what is and should not come in. And ask ourselves, where can I improve in my temple of the Holy Spirit? Where can I improve in this structure? And I'll just, right before I conclude, I'd like to make one mention. We live in an interesting time, don't we? Because if you think about it, it's like in times past, every person, the the things that they had to experience were like single file, okay? You know, people in times past, they, they... I mean, I'm talking about thousands of years, you know, they they had to walk or ride a horse or something and uh, interact people face to face, you know, they couldn't, the phones and everything wasn't going on and they, and it was more just linear, just next step, next step, next step. Now, particularly in the last 20 years, we're in a very different environment, aren't we? And it's like, you know, you're in your house, you might have the radio on listening to something, and you go in your car and you put on this, listen to that, and you go in the store and you're shopping, and there's something coming down from above you, and then you're, you're on your social media talking to all these thousands of people at the same time, which is, I don't know how it's possible. And it's like, instead of single file, we're at an age where there's groups and, and, and masses just pressuring to get in. Sound familiar? Pressuring to get in at those breaches. And I think it would be a good thing for all of us, because of the day we live in, to take a step back and just close the door for a moment. I'm not saying we have to cut off ties to everybody and everything and not do anything. What I'm saying is just take stock of how we use our time on, with technology, what we listen to, our interactions, and take a step back and just spend, like Jesus did, time alone with God. God. Focus on Him. Recalibrate ourselves. And I think what He'll do in the 21st century, I think what God will do if we do that, is when we come back and open up the door again, we will holler, everybody single file. One at a time, Lord. And we'd be able to handle all the bombardments With the discernment, the power of God. That is worth pursuing. So there are many borders, but we need repairers. Are you a repairer of the breach? How about the breach of this nation? Are you a repairer of the breach? How about the breach of a church? Are you? at work to secure the border of this church, ensuring that the activity of this church brings people closer to Christ? How about in your family? Are you a repairer of the breach? Have you made a commitment that you will serve the Lord? How about your own life? We need to repair the breach. Borders are everywhere, brothers and sisters, and I'll just close with this. Yesterday, I was outside and Repairing the border of my garden. Borders are everywhere. The intention of repairing the border of my garden is so that it keeps little bunnies out from eating my crops. But in actuality, it keeps the bigger critters out from getting at the little rabbits that go inside my garden and eat my crops. But these borders are important. If I put a border around my garden, it allows, in theory, the vegetation to thrive and things to grow. And that's what we want. That's the ultimate goal of a border, is to allow thriving and life and growth within. That's what we want. Amen? Heavenly Father, I pray that You would please repair our borders. We know that many people are being affected by what's going on in the southern border. I pray for Those communities, Lord, I pray for the people who come in that you would um, reach out to them, Lord, because they need you. I pray, Father God, you would uh, raise up a people who are concerned and are willing to do something. But I pray, Lord, for the borders of everything in our life, Lord, in our churches, in our communities, in our families, We need to define what is right, what is wrong. We need that border. Help us, Lord. And I pray ultimately for us as individuals. I pray, Father God, that you would repair those broken pieces that we've allowed to crumble and may have allowed some sort of um, infiltration. I pray that you would repair those areas, that we would be secure, we would be safe and be able to interact with this world for the gospel in the right way. Bless us, Lord in heaven. Thank you so much for your word. May you guide us and go with us. In Jesus' name, amen.